prayed um, for our meeting yesterday or those who are unfamiliar with Presbyterianism, we're a, we're a um, representative uh, denomination. We have a series of uh, courts. Our lowest court is the local church session elders. Uh, the second court is a regional body, and our regional body covers a little bit of southwest Missouri, northwest Arkansas, and all of Oklahoma. And so about, about eight, um, oh, probably 30, 30 churches total, probably 80 elders. Two, every church gets at least two elders and, and the ministers uh, to represent it. So, and then, then the national meeting once a year is called General Assembly. And so yesterday we had our presbytery meeting and, and um, it, it was a, um, it was a delight. <laughs> to see um, the gifts that God has given this church to represent it, um, you know, self-excluded uh, from that, but uh, I will just say uh, your ruling elders represented you extremely well, Jeff Tuning and Matt Lee, and um, your associate pastor, um, and, and Doug Nystrom, by the way, went with us, and he represented Himself, he's an assistant pastor, but but he represented you too, uh, extremely well. But your associate pastor in the debate was um, he was the Lord graciously enabled him to be. I would describe it as stellar. That's uh, how, how I would put it. And I want to. Uh, you should be grateful that you have this gift. Um, and I am grateful for him to be alongside us to. Uh, encourage. I'm grateful for his joyful spirit because I am a pessimist. <laughs> I needed, the Lord knows I needed him in my life. He is, so, he is a happy warrior. Turn to the Word of God, <clears throat> chapter 1. And our text is continuing in the book of Philippians. Our text is uh, verses 12. Um, through 20. Is that where I stopped? I stopped at 11 last week, didn't I? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. I made sure I got the right sermon. I got wrote two this week. So. Yeah, that's it. And I'm going to go down to verse 20. So give your attention to the Word of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. 
For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The subject of our text is the advancement of the gospel. What does it mean to advance the gospel? This is what is on the Apostle Paul's mind as he is in Rome, in prison, chained to Roman guards by ships throughout the day. Paul in prison could have sh sh uh, shrank back and and, and uh, hasten his own demise, but no, he uses the time that God gives him in prison to perhaps advance the gospel more than any other way that he had ever done in life. Paul was a traveler, a goer, a doer. He, want, he, he was anxious to preach the gospel wherever it had never been preached, to go uh, boldly, in that proclamation. But now, reduced to being in prison, he makes this remarkable statement by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I know, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It is a statement about God's providence. His providence is, as we confessed earlier, is his ordering of everything in our lives, including what is apparently evil in our lives, for our good and for his glory, and for the Apostle Paul, first and foremost, advancing the gospel. There's military language here. There's militant language. If you're uh, uh, a boots-on-the-ground soldier, you're, you're concerned about occupying territory and moving forward in that occupation. The Apostle Paul was concerned in all of his ministry about conquering not physical territory, but the people who lived in those territories with the gospel, with the good news that Jesus loves sinners and he forgives sinners on the basis of his sacrificial death on their behalf. Daily, we depend upon providence for our lives, don't we? We take it for granted. The, we, there are these everyday providences that we take for granted. I, I take for granted every day that the sun is going to rise. And it's going to go down. And through the seasons, it rises and it goes down in the same place. And it will until the end of time on this earth. We take for granted that there will be seasons. We, we take for granted that... Uh, certain things react 
the way they do react. But it's God's providence sometimes is ordinary, everyday providence that we take for granted or sometimes interrupted like they were last week by this Arkansas blizzard. I know it's for you, you Yankees, that wasn't much of it. I'm from South Alabama, that was a blizzard. That, that interrupted our daily life. Sometimes providence has come and we're way down south where I came from, it was hurricanes would come periodically, and it would totally disrupt your life for weeks and months on end. Some of you lived through tornadoes, you've lived through natural disasters, uh, and in a personal level, some of you have experienced the death of a loved one, spouse, a, a child. Those kind of providences are especially difficult. Some of you have gone through the providence of a broken home with your parents. And some of you have gone through divorce yourself and the problems that attend that. And the, and the message here is those circumstances for the one that God has set his hand upon, even those terrible providences, from our perspective, are given for our good to glorify the Lord. Paul could talk, could think about the beating that he had taken in Philippi. He could think about the earthquake he had experienced in prison and, and remaining in prison in spite of the fact that God had seemingly by his providence let him go. He could think about all those providences in his life and understand that everything does happen for a reason. And that reason in his life was for the advancement of the gospel. Instead of spending time moping about all the misery that had come upon him in that, in that Roman prison, and instead of uh, contemplating how terrible his life was, that his whole day and night was taken up by, by uh, shifts uh, of being chained to a Roman soldier. Uh, he used that time. God moved him to use that time to write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit his prison epistles, of which Philippians is, is, is one of them to write these letters that are the foundation of the visible church, are the basis of our hope and encouragement. It's, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a fearsome thing to stand at the graveside of, of a dear one. It's one of the occupational hazards of ministries that uh, that you have to do funerals for people you love dearly. And when we open that book, when we open the Bible and, and our, our book of prayers for funerals, I, the one line that always strike, strikes me every time I read it is, it has pleased God in his wise providence to take our dear brother or our dear sister to be with him. It is... It is that there are those painful providences. 
But Paul knows here that God has ordained even the death of his best servants to glorify himself. He had he ordained that Paul would be arrested. He would be set in the middle of the Praetorian Guard, the Imperial Guard, it says in the ESV. And basically, Paul was imprisoned in the Pentagon of the Roman army in Rome. And his, his prison guards that he was chained to every day, guess what Paul talked to him about all day long? He talked to him about the gospel of grace and how Christ had come and fulfilled all of the word of God. And can you imagine how the gospel began to spread as a result of those, those guards and those fellow prisoners hearing day by day the glorious truth of the, of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ and how, how the, the former rabbi who had, had his PhD in, in uh, Hebrew theology and, he, and the Hebrew Bible, how he explained how every bit of it was, was fulfilled by Jesus and how excited that living, how exciting it was for that living reality to take root in their lives and how it began to fan out throughout the Roman Empire and within just a generation. The Apostle Paul could say the whole world had heard the gospel. God moves in a mysterious way. We often sing that hymn about providence. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and he rides upon the storm. God is in the midst of our suffering. He is in the midst of our pain. To glorify himself. How does he do it? He does it by his providence, first of all. And second of all, he does it through the preaching of his word. And the proclamation of his word. Every, every believer with a Bible can proclaim God's word. You can, you can begin by proclaiming it to yourself. You should begin every day with opening your, the Bible and reading it and applying it to yourself. Families, you can, you, you can proclaim the word to your family. You should do it every day with your family. You should gather around the word and, 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 and read it and, and apply it. But the gathering on the Sabbath as Lydia knew, as the Philippian jailer came to know, as these, these Roman soldiers began to know, and, and we see uh, the ripple effects of the ministry of Paul as these uh, people were converted, and many of these men entered into the ministry. You see this multiplying, rippling effect through the proclamation of God's word. This is the primary means that God builds up his church. My job as a minister of the gospel is to build you up by proclaiming to you the word of God in order to equip you to go out into the world 
and you proclaim the gospel wherever he's called you to be. Two words here for preaching. One just means preach, and the other means proclaim. They are virtually synonyms. How do we most effectively minister the word of God? We preach it and we proclaim it. That's the reason that the main thing that we do in our services is open the word of God. We read it. First Timothy tells us that reading is just as important as proclaiming it. We read the word and we apply the word. That is the center of our worship. And as wonderful as it is to have wonderful music, and I'm so I'm so grateful the Lord's brought Harrison Howell as a choir director here. Praise God that giving us these gifts. These, the Lord has blessed us with so many amazing musicians lately. We're so blessed. So many amazing voices. But, but music isn't the main thing. It can become the main thing. It should never be, though. It is a handmaid to the word of God. We try to structure our worship that it that flows up to and centers on and focuses on the reading and the proclamation of the scriptures. So one of the one of the things in modern worship that always like I, I know we have so you just want to clap sometimes, don't you? <laughs> I don't know, even, and, and I'm glad to, I'm, we discourage clapping in our worship because it's not a performance. Although there, I, I won't even get into it, but <laughs> scriptural. But, but the importance of worship is that we're not focused on people performing. We are focused upon the glory of God and what Jesus has done. Oh, we're not, we're not opposed to performances. We're glad. We're grateful. And uh, in about a month, or in April or sometime, we're going to have um, uh, Michael McHale, this world-famous pianist. We'll have him on a concert on a Friday night. And that's a performance. And we'll make it clear it's a performance. It's also an outreach. We'll invite the community to hear him. And it'll be a, it'll be a blessed thing. We'll get to see people in this church we never see otherwise, but it's not worship. We'll, uh, in a couple of months after that, I think we're going to have Jubilant Sykes here, and he'll do a concert, uh, Lord willing. But that's not a that's not a worship service. That's a performance. Those, those things have their place, but they're not in the worship of God. We center on the preaching and the proclamation of the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. That is our focus. Because there is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. The result of his providential imprisonment was the advance of the gospel. And the salvation of all those who sat under the word of God. What ultimately matters 
is the advancement of the gospel. That's what matters to Paul. Whatever circumstances there are, that's what matters to him. And then the third thing that God uses to advance the gospel is prayer. Verses 19 and 20. It is through your prayers. I know that it is through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus that this will turn out for my deliverance. The Apostle Paul is overwhelmed with joy because of what God was accomplishing through his providential imprisonment, through the proclamation of the gospel, of those who were going out and preaching. Uh, whatever their motive was. He, he, he complained about the motive of, uh, some people were complaining about the motives of those who were rejoicing that Paul was in prison. He says, I don't care what they're preaching. I'm just glad they're preaching. And they're preaching Christ. And I'm not envious of their, their expansive ministries. I'm glad their ministries are expanding. What matters is the advancement of the gospel. Some, some preach out of, out of pretense, some preach out of sincerity. What, what difference does it make as long as the message of the gospel is going out? What matters is the gospel is advanced and, and God is glorified through its advancement. And the key to its advancing, other than the, the proclamation of the gospel, is prayer. It is prayer that advances the gospel as much as anything else. Now this is a mystery. But if you turn over to the book of Revelation, you'll see over and over in the refrain of Revelation that the, the prayers of the saints offered up, and they go up into heaven, and they, they are a fragrant aroma to God. Prayers are part of God's providential plan to advance the church. If you study history, you study providence in the past. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to look at uh, God's providential spread of the gospel around the world. How it started in this tiny place in the Middle East and how it spread uh, first westward and then across oceans and then back around the whole world. And now it looks like it's going to go around again. It's amazing what God is doing in missions. And I'm so excited. I'd be remiss not to talk about the missions conference and the, the need to be uh, attending the missions conference beginning Friday night. We ply you with pizza to get you, get you here on Friday night. To get you to hear encouraging messages in person from Dominic Aquila, who is um, uh, working on missions in, 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 in uh, Egypt and Israel and, and is connected with missions uh, around the world in so many ways and, uh, and uh, so at the forefront of, of the proclamation of the truth in our own family of churches. So I put in that application right now to encourage you to be here Friday night. You won't go hungry uh, spiritually or physically. We'll have pizza for you. Um, uh, but uh, the message, I think, will be very engaging. And we're going to have frontline reports 
Uh, I think uh, some of the Zoom reports that were so wonderful from our actual missionaries around the world. So uh, be in, in attendance and be praying about how God will providentially use your sacrificial giving for missions because prayers are a part of God's providential plan. Whenever there has been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the history of missions, it has begun in a prayer meeting. It has begun when, when God's uh, people have been moved to humble themselves together to pray for revival. And you can count that, you can trace that common theme throughout every successful ministry. So often we get tied up in methods rather than, than the ordinary means of grace. Charles Haddon Spurgeon arrived early one Sunday morning to his famous Metropolitan Tabernacle, this massive building in London where God had poured out his spirit on this man of God for many years, ministering in London and ministering to thousands. At one, one point they had rented out the equivalent to Bud Walton Arena and for months uh, he filled the Crystal Palace it was called. 20,000 people he preached to on a weekly basis. Again, the, a movement of the Holy Spirit. But his main ministry was in, in um, the uh, tabernacle. And he got there early one morning and he uh, greeted uh, uh, some seminary students that had come to hear uh, uh, Spurgeon. And, and as they got to the front door, it was a cold day, he says, hey, do you want to see my power plant? And they looked at him kind of funny. Uh, well, I guess so. <laughs> and they took him around the back and he opened the basement door and they looked down into the basement and there was a, a, a room full of a hundred or more people praying under, the, under his pulpit for the ministry of the Word of God. And if you trace the ministry of every that God has used uh, throughout uh, the history of revival and renewal in the church, it has begun with a prayer meeting. We, we have a in this COVID season, we've had the Zoom prayer meeting, and it's the strangest thing. But that we 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 gather more in Zoom than we do in person. We're going to go back to in person. I hope soon. It is a, an essential part of what God does. If you trace the history of missions, whether it's in Korea or Africa or any, any place, you know that prayer inculcated into the life of the people is essential for the advancement of the gospel. And that's what Paul says here. I know that it is through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus that will turn out for my deliverance. And it is that eager expectation of hope. It's the prayers that release the Apostle Paul from the Philippians and his companions from the Philippian, in the Philippian jail with the earthquake that resulted in his salvation and his family's salvation and the salvation of all the prisoners apparently there. None of them ran away. 
it's the prayers of, of the church gathered as they began to select their officers. And the first deacons were instituted. It's the prayers that were, were gathered, the people that gathered the people in the temple as they were praying and that the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. God uses prayers. They're vital to the advancement of his kingdom. Sometimes people tell me all I can do is pray. And I said, well, that's more than you can do otherwise. And if God has to reduce your life down to where that's all you can do, you're probably at that moment more effective than you've ever been in your life. his eager expectation that God would always be honored in his body whether by life or by death I visited uh, Lee house um, when did he, I forget today before, I, this morning I saw him and then the day before yesterday I saw him I guess he, he proudly showed me his wristband Especially the one that said DNR. <laughs> See that? That's the attitude that every saint needs to have. We'll talk about that tonight. For me to live is Christ. To die is King. Do you know that truth in your heart and life today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be a part of the advancement of the gospel in whatever circumstances we're in. Thank you that we have this great truth and we do not need to be ashamed at the prospect of the end of our life, but we need to be filled with joy as it nears. And have the attitude the Apostle Paul, whether while we're here, we're here to serve you, Lord. We're here to glorify Christ and advance his kingdom and to minister to others. And we're in Christ when we do that. And then at the same time, if you take us home, that that's better for us. So, Father, whether we are here or we're absent from the body help us to know the joy the indescribable joy even in the worst circumstances of knowing you through what Jesus did for us as sinners when he died for us and he rose for us and he ever lives as he's ascended to heaven to your right hand wherever lives to intercede on our behalf before your throne we thank you for this glorious truth of the gospel, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord now with our morning offering.